Hello there. Welcome to another edition of Adsum with David Firth. Sharice McCrory, my good friend, my dear friend, Sharice McCrory, who has the most amount of C's and R's and S's in any person I know in her name. <laughs> How many S's do you have in your name, Sharice? Uh, I have one S. One two R's, S. Two R's yeah. and three C's. Yeah. It's one of the yeah. things I learned early on in our friendship was the relationship between R's and S's in Sharice. Yes. <laughs> two R's, one S. In Cherise. <laughs> Three C's, two R's in McCrory. There, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. In case anyone's keeping score. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, are there any, just, I was just thinking it so people can put things to Google and find you. Are there any other Cherise McCrory's? There are not any other Cherise McCrory's that I know of. There are lots of Cherise's. Yes. In fact, I was listening to NPR the other day and there was a representative of a state whose name was Cherise. Oh, there we go. Generally, they're never spelled my way. <laughs> but she, hers is? Uh, no, I don't know how hers is spelled. <laughs> I, I was driving and I didn't Google her. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, and, Thank you, Mom, uh, for, the, for the name. Thank you, my mother. There you go, yeah. And talking of mothers, you're a mother and you're a grandmother. I am. I'm well, a mother, a grandmother of two um, grandchildren and mother of two grown children beautiful yeah. and um day job to give Ooh, a of course you would ask me that david <laughs> <laughs> my day job i'm uh, i'm really a creative person so i have several hats that i wear i am uh i make money through consulting and coaching uh and art occasionally um I'm also a writer. I'm also a caregiver for my 86-year-old mother. Um, that tends to be a day job yeah. <laughs> and a night job. Uh, yeah, so I, um, it's, hard, it's hard to pin me down on that yes. regard, David. Yeah. I know. It's, that's why I ask it. <laughs> <laughs> we are so much more than our LinkedIn profiles, are we not? We are, and I love change, so I'm, I'm constantly looking for ways to change it up. Yeah, beautiful. Terrific. Where can people find your art? Because you're the first sort of artist I've had on the podcast. Oh, funny you ask. There is a, a small bit of art on my bewildlyhappy.com website. I'm in the process of creating an art website. So it'll it'll morph, but there'll be always be a link on bewildlyhappy.com. Yes. Terrific. Thank you for Great. asking. Sharice and I um, go back to 2009, I think, is when we first met at a workshop in Denver, yeah? Yeah. So, so and cool. one of the things that we've learned about each other is that we stick religiously and rigidly to plans that we make. And so we had a very rigid plan for this <laughs> podcast, didn't we? Always. Always rigid. Which we're not going to do. <laughs> we're not going to do that. <laughs> I find, David, it's just best to follow the muse. It's, yeah, a, I agree. it's more authentic and more fun and a little risky. <laughs> Sorry, <Yeah>. listeners. 
<laughs> oh my god yeah that's right and in this year especially how could we possibly say that the, the original plan that we had when we said let's go let's do this podcast together in 2020 how could we possibly have said that's what i'm going to end up doing yeah and i'm going to quote my good friend david firth who said a few weeks ago the old phrase god you make plans god laughs is more yeah. like you make plans god breathes life into something else that's a, yeah. a rough quote by david firth <laughs> It is, yeah. You're making me. Th you're making me think that uh, I've got a workshop coming up later today with a group of people who have pretty good English, but are Spanish native speakers. Mm. And the HR director just called me a half an hour ago because uh, she's seen some of my quotations that I want to use, and she's offered to translate them into Spanish. And what we found was that. It's, it's just so much subtlety in in what we take to be a quotation or a thing. And you and I would look at it and go, yeah, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Right. When you start getting the second language in there, it's like, oh, well, if you mean a bad thing or a good thing, then it completely changes the vocabulary. Wow, interesting. Yeah. That's got to be super interesting for a guy like you with such a history in words. Yeah, my well, my, um, you know, my conviction is that... Um, human beings are driven to uh, take something away from a communication. So whether, whether it's a thing I intend to say to them. Right. It'd be <laughs> better if it was. Yeah, right. <laughs> and talking of quotations, Reese, we had the idea that with it being holiday season, because right now it's two days before Thanksgiving, uh, and with it being holiday season, that we'd play a bit of a party game. Okay, I'm game. Game is, uh, why don't we talk about and, and share with, with the listeners our favorite quotations at the moment? Mm. That game, yeah? I'm really happy you added at the moment because mine changed daily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the things, isn't it? I think we both found that we love quotations. Mm. Uh, I've got a quote. The book, How to Make Work Fun, is listed as an alphabet, and there is a, a mini chapter in there called Quotations, and it has a quotation about the power of quotations. Oh, cool. <laughs> Somebody said something really <laughs> smart and clever, which is way cleverer than I could say about quotation. Somebody already said it, and so why not use their words rather than ours? Is mm. the yeah. All right, cool. So what do you have? You go first in this game. I get to go first. I love go that. First. Yeah. Well, my, my current favorite quote is by Father Richard Rohr, and the quote is, Our only failure is not to love. Wow. And that is sort of an ever-present applicable quote. I mean, you can put that on top of the current political world that we find ourselves in, the global pandemic, the, the, the Thanksgiving family fighting that sometimes occurs for folks. <laughs> uh, it, it's always, it always matters to me. Our only failure is not to love. Beautiful. Yeah, that's a great... Uh, and you've met him, haven't you? I, I had, I, I shared a meal with him. It was amazing. Oh, yeah. And funny enough, I was super nervous. I didn't really know him enough about him when I met him mm. and meeting him obviously created an urgency to learn more, but he, uh, he literally brought me to tears during dinner because he has such an impassioned way of talking about love as a verb and yeah. And not love as an emotion, but love as action. 
And that spoke so deeply to who I am and how I am and my, how I, I practice to be every day. So it was, it was like one of those supercharged moments of synchronicity uh, because I had been at, at that time, I'd been trying to kind of figure out what is my core? What, where do I live in value world? And man, it was like, bam, right there. Okay. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you, you, you turned me on to Richard Wright. I hadn't heard of him. I hadn't come across him until I think you maybe started sharing that, that quotation on your sig signature file. Signature. Yep. It's been on my signature for a couple of years now, just because like I said, it's, it's evergreen. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't expire. One of the things I love about Richard Raw, one of the many things I love about Richard Raw is that he has, well, he has a whole practice devoted to this, but he also has a center for contemplation and action. Is that the right? Mm -hmm. Yep. So, contemplation and action. And, and what I, I think, and, and I, I think knowing you as I do, one of the things that probably you love about this is that, so there's the contemplation, which is the sort of spiritual reflection and the deeply going inside and getting in touch with who we are at essence and and there's the end which is the action thing because mm -hmm. after that is going to help us in this world <laughs> we're going to so, do it so, yeah so true it's not uh love is not woo for me it's yeah. not something nice to say or put on a hallmark greeting card it's it's love is something to do that's and it shows up every day um, for me in the way that I am in relationship with people, the space that I hold for people. I think in the collective right now, we've we have forgotten how to love each other. Mm. And so one of the one of the things that I'm passionate about these days is trying to help people see where we are alike instead of where we are different, because uh, that's always the place to get to for having love for each other. And that's definitely action oriented because you and I've talked before, David, about how people think talking is cheap, yes. right? That, that old phrase, talk is cheap. Well, talk is not cheap. It is expensive yeah. <laughs> and it matters. And so the more we can, the more we can create communications that are curious and that matter, the, the, the more we're going to be remembering how connected we are and how, important our connectedness connectedness is to the global population who is struggling to survive right now yes. it's the only thing yes it's funny you should say talk is cheap because where is it i have a book uh here it's behind me now um which is a an inquiry into the landmark forum um and uh, and and it's a sort of explanation of where Werner Erhardt, who came up with the whole process called the Landmark Forum, where he got his ideas from, the, the philosophers he got his ideas from. Um, but there's an, a transcript of an entire Landmark Forum that he did back in like 1982 or something. You know, every every word that was said by him and the participants for three and a half days. So it's a big book, and um, I hadn't realised that it was actually Werner Erhardt who said that in that forum. And he said, talk is cheap. Talk is not cheap. We cheapen it. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in, in my work, David, people give me credit for saying shit. And the truth <laughs> is, I, don't, I, I, there, I have no original thoughts. They're all borrowed from some other, from, I don't know, from my DNA sometimes it feels like. Sure. <laughs> but also, 
Yeah, if we if we actually had the ability to trace back everything everyone said, we would realize we're playing the same music over and over and over. Exactly right. We're leaning into exactly the right. mystics of our of our day and <laughs> and those of our of not our day. <laughs> yeah, we, we we are all standing on the shoulders of giants in that regard. You know, we are. We, um, yes, we are. Shaped by that, our, our mutual friend Don Myers. I remember. Um, I think he used to say when he was quoting somebody else but couldn't quite remember the phrase or wanted to somehow acknowledge that somebody else had this idea, he'd say, I think I'm channeling so-and-so now. Ah, yeah. <laughs> you know, because it was this beautiful little graceful way of saying, this is not mine, but I just yeah. want to very powerful to share it, you know. I like to just give the disclaimer that nothing I say is mine. <laughs> let's, just, let's just get that clear up front. Everything I say comes through me, first of all. It's not, yeah. it, I, I believe there's a divine channel that dictates what actually comes out of my lips. And from that place, I don't, I don't, I don't know where, uh, where the words originated, but they're not of me, they're through me. I was yesterday listening to a talk by Rupert Spira, who's a, you know, a spiritual teacher, and it was on YouTube, and he was talking about there's an art to answering questions because he does these meditations and then his people ask him questions, yeah. And he said, but there's also an art to asking questions. Um, mm. And so, you know, he was, he was telling his participants, bear these things in mind. And, and one of the things that he said was, people think that because I've been doing this 10 years, um, surely I'll get bored because I'm being asked the same questions again and again and again and he said i'm never asked the same question yeah. that's when it comes out of sharice's mouth even if it's the same words as david asking the question it's it's a different question because it's being given through sharice mm. or through david mm, that's gorgeous that explains something because i personally love to be interviewed and yeah. So much like the way I drive one direction, one, one path to the grocery store to get there, and I take a different path to get back home, I'm <laughs> highly changeable. And I can never answer the same question the same way twice. Yeah. Uh, there might be some essence that's the same, but I, I don't know if that's my creativity or what, David, but maybe it's the questioner. Maybe it's because there's a different energy that exchanges between the the person who's curious and the person who's telling a story. Yes. That's it. Maybe that's more, more it than I just like change. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Could be. I think as well, there's something about being, you know, the being present when we're having these conversations, you know, mm. the other thing Rupert, Rupert Spira said in this talk was, um, if, if you think this is the same question that you've heard before, you're no longer listening to the person you're listening to your past. Mm. you're listening to your story you're listening to your opinion you're listening to your own thoughts and that's what we're here exactly not to do <laughs> so what i what i get from that david is as the answerer of the question there is a place for curiosity yeah yes that's gorgeous because and, yes go on please curiosity is a core value for me yeah. um and it's it's something that is um so powerful if if it, it's it's like any skill that you can practice, you can actually become better at being curious until it's in. Uh, Krista Tippett says something like, uh, "Curiosity is um, is spiritual DNA if you practice it 
There's, I'm, I just completely botched Krista Tippett's quote, but it's something <laughs> like that. Yeah. Spiritual, spiritual um, memory is how she creates it. And I loved that because it's, it's um, for me, curiosity belongs on both sides, right? In any conversation. It's not, yeah. it's not that I, as the questioner, need to be so curious that I ask super awesome questions, which elicit this brilliant answer. But as the answerer of the question, I think if we pause and say, hmm, what's true for me right now? Yes. I may have answered this question this way last week, but how about this week? How about today? How about five minutes after what I just experienced? <laughs> and in a pandemic, yeah. what's the answer to the question, how are you doing? Oh. Well, I know I do differently hour by hour, sometimes on some days. I don't think I've used a, a generic answer to that question in a long time. I think I've, I think I, <laughs> I actually believe people want to know how I am. And so I answer honestly. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the things I've noticed. Um, did I ever tell you I'm English? I'm not American. I did. I did know this. Uh, so I, yeah. And one of the things that a lot of Americans say to me when I, when I, when we start a conversation is, uh, Hey, what's happening? And I, I've learned that I'm supposed to say, not much. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, that's not true. It's uh, not happening. Isn't it, isn't it good? <laughs> isn't oh it cool? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, what's happening? No let, me get, let me give you this quote by Krista that... Oh, yeah, please do, yes. Is that, is it your second one? It's the real one. Well, I'm, I'm going to take more than two, I'm afraid. Oh! So, so the, the quote, which is just perfect for this space, is uh, from Krista Tippett. Uh, Generous listening is powered by curiosity, a vir virtue we all invite and nurture in ourselves to render it instinctive. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that's about the... That makes me think of a quote that I wasn't going to bring today, <laughs> but to this game, uh, but it's from Rumi. And he says, sell your cleverness, by which he means certainty as opposed to intelligence. Sell your cleverness by bewilderment. Mm. By bewilderment. He says, cleverness is mere opinion. Bewilderment is intuition. Mm. And, and so I think what Krista Tippett is saying, what Rumi is saying somewhere in there is the same thing, which is when you're genuinely curious, you don't know what's going to come out of this curiosity. And so it's more about instinct as opposed to right. head stuff. Yeah. And I would submit, David, that that's what you and I are best at, mm. at least together. I'm, I'm pretty sure separately as well. But we, what one thing that I have really admired about our relationship is that we we are safe enough and inspired enough by one another to let what happens happen. And yeah. we don't have, we don't have to have an agenda or rules around, well, I think we're going to create this kind of podcast today. Um, <laughs> we, we are brilliant at the bewilderment, I believe, yes. at least together. Yes. <laughs> and the bewilderment, the not knowing allows things to pop up, which are always good and fun. And Which we're from the divine channel that runs through both of us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. So you got to share one. Let's hear your 
your planned quote. Yeah, that's right. I got my bonus. I got my bonus roomie in there. <laughs> uh, what? We, oh, my first. Yeah, the first one I brought was um, from a guy called F. David Pete, P-E-A-T, and. This is one of the quotes at the beginning of the book that Alan Lee and I wrote years ago called The Corporate Fool. Mm. And the whole whole idea that maybe organizations should have a more like a medieval fool character because the medieval fool character is not there to make the king or queen laugh, they're there to challenge the status quo Mm. or allow good things to happen by getting out of what we're stuck on. Yeah, Uh, F. David Pete, Bizarrely enough, is actually a, given given the nature of this quotation, is actually a physicist, a quantum physicist, um, or was. I, don't, I think he passed. He says the clown or the fool. The clown reminds us of the irrational within within our universe, the Dionysian forces within the human society that must be balanced rather than suppressed or denied, and the futility of our quest for certainty, control, and absolute power. Mm. The clown reminds us of the irrational within our universe, the Dionysian forces within the human society that must be balanced rather than suppressed or denied, and the futility of our quest for certainty, control, and absolute power. And what I love about that is, haven't we been given here (laughs) this year another... Another comes back to the if you want to make God laugh, show him your plans, you know. Because I know I had a certain plan for this year that stopped on March the third. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're in good company there, David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what F. David Pete is saying that you know this this energy, the the chaotic energy is the yin to the yang of being in control and the planning and the discipline that we must have as well to live a balanced life. But the, the, uh, the other side of that, which is this sort of craziness, this oddness, this chaos is all part of the growth, mm. all part of the craziness, the good stuff that will emerge next. Somewhere along the way, since March 3rd, I have... I have really um, reconstructed my idea of control, Mm. which is one of the blessings I'm counting from 2020 because there is so much beyond my control and there always has been. It just is a little more in my face this year. (laughs) (laughs) I used to to have an illusion of control in a lot of areas of my life. And so a gift that I can take from your quote just now and from my own inner knowing and the, the the result of my quiet time with myself is it's all perfect. And it's, uh, if it's happening, it's perfect. And it, it so often does not feel perfect. If I intellectualize it, it does. I, I fell on my ass the other day down a flight of stairs and I injured myself and I was taken from my apartment on a gurney Yes. To the ER. And that really stunk on a Friday night on my husband's 60th birthday. (laughs) Was yes. It was, it was, it it stunk, but 
I don't know from that experience, I, I was completely out of control, right? I, I passed out. I was out of consciousness. I was, I was at in the hands of medical professionals and, and that's a, a really exaggerated example of lack of control and the blessing that can be buried deep in there. So, so my husband and I had, you know, I'm, <laughs> we, we had really good conversations because of that. And we had also funny story to tell, right? Because <laughs> um, I, I can be, I can be, I can be laughed at. It's okay. My ego can take that, David. Um, yeah. So, so essentially, I think the, the my fall down the stairs could be the analogy for 2020. Like, yep. seriously, I can't. I I am in charge of keeping my mom safe. She lives with us, and she's obviously at 86 years old. She's in that vulnerable place that where COVID could get her. Right. Yes. So for the first few months of the year, I was like super hyper vigilant. Okay. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And I was on central nervous system, high alert the entire time. And somewhere along the line, I just figured out that I, she's either going to get it or she's not. And yes, there are things I can do. And is it really, is it really mine to keep her safe? Is that, is that mine? So that was a great lesson because it isn't mine. And when it's her time to go, she will go. I don't know how or when or, or how, what my role in that will be. But I just know for me to, to take on the responsibility of keeping her healthy and safe is, um, is, is not realistic. No. I, I'm not in control of that. <laughs> no. And as soon as, as soon as you think you are, the clown pushes you down the stairs. Exactly. Yeah. Here's a bizarre thing, Sharice. So we've known each other since 2009. And in 2020, both of us injured ourselves falling downstairs. Yeah, there's a metaphor in there, David. You fell, I think, down more stairs than I fell down. I, I fell down two stairs. I, I always want to one-up you, David. That's it. <laughs> Which was the, the clown was laughing his head off saying, ha, ha, you think so much of yourself, you can't even get down two stairs? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what's, what's really interesting is I'm, I, because of the, the inner work that I have done, the spiritual contemplation, the, yes. the Richard Rohrers of the world who've taught me how to go inside and look for the lessons, I, I have definitely received that message of, um, okay, Sharice, it's time again to slow your roll, to be present, to be where you are, not to trip on this shoe thing that happened and yeah. Not to be in a hurry downstairs with things in your hand. Everybody is going to be okay if you're there 30 seconds later. Slow down. And I have gotten, this is the metaphorical club to my head for my entire freaking life, David. Slow down is the thing I'm supposed to learn. (laughs) (laughs) And I really thought I had it. And then, you know, if if there's another tool to slow you down, it's COVID, right? Sure. Sure. So, and, so, and, and I don't know about you, but I've recognized that I'm, um, I'm Kerry as well. My wife is saying more and more and more this year, when we're, like when we check you out to the grocery, we'll say, take care to the person you know, yeah. leaving the restaurant, take care. And I think, I think both of these quotations we're talking about just take us to that place of even when we're, even when we're slowing down, we're still 
I'm not going to be in full control. Full control. We can't yeah. manage everything. There's always <laughs> going to be a chaos aspect to yeah. our lives and what we're up to. So I have a poem I'd love to read that Please. sort of speaks to that. So uh, I was listening to the Krista Tippett on Being podcast, which is at the top of my list all the time. Yeah. He was interviewing uh, Richard Blanco, who is a civil engineer by profession, but also a poet and an author. Mm-hmm. And he's got a new book, um, which I can't remember the title of at the moment, but if you listen to her re- most recent podcast, you'll get it. He, he started the podcast with a poem called, We Hold These Truths to Be Self-Evident. Mm. We are the cure to hatred caused by despair. We are the good morning of the bus driver who remembers our name the tattooed man who gives up his seat on the subway. We are every door held open with a smile when we look into each other's eyes the way we behold the moon. We are the moon. We are the promise of one people, one breath, declaring to one another, I see you, I need you, I am you. Yes. Yes. Beautiful. So I long held this notion of when I'm checking out with a barista or a grocery store clerk or an Uber driver or whoever it is that is making my life easier. Yes. I, I work to be really present with them and to make eye contact and to, to say something nice to them. Right. That's just kind of how I like to be. That's what I aspire to be for people. And with masks, it's so much different because all you can see are a person's eyes and we lose at least half of the the recognition of a person's mood or disposition because we're only seeing their eyes, but we're only seeing their eyes. The other side of that is, is, remarkable because of my now focus on a person's eyes. Yes. Um, and so I think there is a place even now uh, we can't, we can't see a smile uh, from a bus driver or a grocery store clerk, but we can see their eyes yes. and we can smile through our eyes. And that's what we can do in the middle of a global pandemic. Another thing that we talk about plans, the, the 2020 plan, I got this inspiration early in the year that wherever I go, I'm going to leave a love note. Yep. So I carry a pack of sticky notes in my bag and a Sharpie marker. And I, I was really proud of myself at the beginning of the year. Like that is such a fabulous idea. And (laughs) And then I stopped going places. (laughs) You know, this was, this was the year of 2020 when best laid plans go to hell. So um, I, I kind of got, I got a good start and then I got frozen and then it sort of drifted away because I turned into a fear monger for a bit. And then I remembered, oh yes, I'm the one who leaves love notes. And in, in some places I'm known as the lady who leaves love notes. Uh-huh. I frequent. And so Going back to my initial, our only failure is not to love by Father Richard Rohr. Mm. That is love in action. Um, I had no idea the difference it could make for people, and I didn't care, 
really. I, it made a difference for me and that's what I cared about. I wanted to do it. It felt good. Yeah. Um, that smile that, that we give through our mask and through our eyes is the same. It's yes. acknowledgement. It's I see you. I feel you. I hear you. I am you. It's yes. the only way to heal our collective crisis right now. And we know it. We, 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 we know that energetic connection, you know, so, so if the barista is there and nine people don't make that connection with a genuine heartfelt thank you and a look in the eye and Sharice comes along and does that, then the barista notices that. Even if they're busy doing other stuff, they'll, they'll, they'll sense it because we, that's what we, we are. We know when we've been communicated with, you know. Yeah. We sometimes deny it, but we know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. There's that. <laughs> the other yeah. thing I love about Richard Raw and, um, and the, his connection to the fool thing is that Richard Raw is, am I right, Franciscan monk? Mm -hmm. Yep. But like out in the world, Franciscan monk. Yeah. And he's, I put him in the same category as um, Matthew Fox. Who is another? Who who was a Roman Catholic priest, um, but out in the world, Roman Catholic priest, and uh, he was excommunicated by the Pope. Mm. So immediately became my favorite ever Roman Catholic. Right. <laughs> because well, troublemakers, they're yes. troublemakers. They're like fools who say to the king, "That's not the truth." Get it, you know? And they're saying, "We understand that there's great, there's this great big thing called the organized religion church, but there's a bigger truth than that, and we are here to." Like yes. That. And Richard Rohr is a champion of that. He's yeah. a champion of people and love. He stands for that no matter what the political or religious cost. Yes. He he is he is out in the world and I I can't believe he hasn't been kicked out of his church actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, like both Richard Rohr and Matthew Fox if you look at them on on you know whenever it's on YouTube. The other thing I love about both of them and particularly Richard Rohr is that they wind up people who are very traditionalist. Yeah. You know, and so they'll say this person is going to hell. And it's like, <sighs> give me somebody who's out there in the world saying something that another person would say, you'll go to hell for that. And it's like, I'll listen to you. Because mm -hmm. they're not there to play it safe. And right. The, the, the more elderly uh, Richard Rohr gets, the more truthful he is with that. And the more, um, the less he cares, which happened to me after I turned 50, actually. I, I, I also have made a shift into, hmm, I don't need to be liked. Mm -hmm. uh, there are levels of that, I'm sure. And as I get to be his age, <laughs> I think he's in his 80s. Yeah. God bless him for continuing to carry on the way he does. He's got energy that I'm hoping I have. Yes, me too. <laughs> there are levels of that where I think as as elders and and this is another turn in our conversation, David, I think for me, my, the work as I have known it is, is segueing to another chapter. And I see myself at 59 years old as a wisdom keeper and I'm grappling with how that looks and what to do with that. And so when you asked the, at the beginning, what is, how do I get paid? Essentially, what is my <laughs> occupation? <laughs> Um, if I could figure out how to get paid to share wisdom, I, I think that would be a fun through writing and art. That would be a yeah. fun. Occupation. So we'll see. Well, start as an amateur wisdom. Yeah. Giver. 
professional. Hey, talking of amateur <laughs> professional. And it's so cool you bring that up because it's a beautiful segue. And this, ladies and gentlemen, was actually our original plan. <laughs> because Charisse had declared that she was going to look at what her retirement might be. And so, you know, we could go into this the wisdom thing. I'm sure we will come back to that. And why did I bring that up? Because the word amateur, which is now used mostly to mean it must be like some sort of hobby you've got, or it's not very important to you, clearly. Uh, has the source uh, ama in Latin, which is love. So mm. do it literally for love. Yeah. Wow. Professional, on the other hand, which means get paid. All sorts of things in the business world, but generally is accepted to mean, yeah, you get paid for it as opposed to your amateur. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually use that with my art. Somebody said, oh, now you're a professional artist because I sold a piece. There you go. As if there's actually a difference. Funny. Hilarious. <laughs> the art is still the same. It's still the art. Well, here's the really cool thing about the word professional, because the word professional comes from Latin professio, which means a vow. And it's like Richard Raw. He made a professio to become a Franciscan monk. It was the vow that you make to say, this thing, this spiritual life is so important to me. I'm going to take it so seriously that I'm going to lock myself in a monastery for the rest of my life. Hmm. So actually, the 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 you know the, the powerful thing about being a professional is is you take it really seriously in a good way. Mm. Isn't that wow, cool? uh, very cool. Profession, yeah, and that's the other thing I'm just really appreciating about our friendship, Charisse, is that, I mean, I'm I'm nowhere near as old as you. I mean, I mean, I'm only fifty, <laughs> uh, but you know, we've in those. 11, 12 years since we first met, you know, we've grown older together. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe, I think, and I think we've talked about this, is with both of us like, wow, it's even more fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Exponentially yeah? more fun. Exponentially yeah. more fun. There is not a there is not a shred of regret for coming to be this age. I no. and I don't I I I celebrate it all the time because I, there, there was a, a pretty major shift that occurred for me after yep. 50 in mindset and in worldview. And I have never had more fun in my life yeah. and, and more and felt more rewarded by life yes. in my life. So even the, even the crap, even the 2020 tsunami that we've experienced is, is all like, okay, so I'm going to be, yeah, where well, I am, and it's okay. And you know, I mean, and I, you know, I say this because a lot of the you, you know, you have people in your world who have kids uh, going through this at the same time, and I have a lot of clients who are parents of young kids, and so they're having a different journey than than mine. And yet, the thing is, you know, you and I have the time and the the focus of being able to contemplate what's going on in these things yeah we're not, we're not and there's nothing there's nothing about this is good and that's bad or whatever but the you know we're not running around trying to homeschool our kids and just getting through the day and you know then tomorrow and tomorrow and dealing with all the emails and this that and the other we have yeah. more spaciousness in our lives we do. to be able to just sit back and think okay so it's not just all bad 
you know, it's a bad thing that's happened. It's, or, and it's not just a problem to be solved by vaccine and is the vaccine going to be okay and all that sort of stuff. There's a sort of deeper awareness around it. There is a deeper awareness and I'm so grateful that I am not my son who has a three-year-old and a four-month-old mm. <laughs> and a work-at-home telework kind of job where he's expected to, I don't know, keep the country safe because he's a government contractor and I have no idea what he does because he can't tell me, but he's doing that stuff right alongside reading books to his toddler. And I'm, I'm glad whatever strength I have, I might've passed down to him because personally, I, yeah, I'm so grateful I'm not in that place and I'm able to lend a little support and wisdom uh, for those folks who are in that place, but uh, it's all for the, it's all for good. Right. So they're getting something too. It's just something different than what I'm getting. Yeah. They're getting, yeah. I don't know what they're getting. Uh, <laughs> in fact, I just purchased a game that uh, I fell, I succumbed to a Facebook link, uh -huh. which um, is a card game for asking deeper questions at family gatherings over the holidays. Jeez. So my, my, <laughs> my pie in the sky hope is that the toddler and the newborn will, will be sleeping for a minute at some point during the holidays. And we can have a dialogue that's real over zoom or, or any web. We yeah. often use duo from Google and we, we use them all. Um, <laughs> But I think that I think that if I am a wisdom keeper and I am a Grammy to my two grandbabies and a mom to my kids, what can I bring to their situation? Maybe just back to the art of generous listening yes. and, and asking creative questions and and listening in a way that isn't to coach or to fix, <laughs> but listening in a way to understand which. Yes. Which is, it was something I've practiced for years and hopefully I'm kind of good at it. Sure. Beautiful. So that's where you are now, isn't it? This wisdom, wisdom giver. Well, I don't know. I'm still working that out and I don't know that I'll ever know, but what I do get on a, on a pretty regular basis is that I'm moving from solving other people's problems into building capacity in others to solve their problems. Yeah. And if that means I have something valuable to share that comes again through me, not of me, um, then that's what it means. And I don't have it figured out yet. I, what I do know is I'm slowing down. Yes. And I am going to call that a sabbatical when it begins, which is some time between now and probably March. Yes. And David, you, you've helped me shape that a little bit because my inclination was to be rigid and disciplined and to say, okay, a sabbatical means do nothing. And that's hard for me. So you gave me permission by saying, Hey, don't you think you could be creative since you're creative, um, create the sabbatical any way you'd want to create it. Duh. <laughs> That's great advice, David. <laughs> now I'm, uh, I'm, I'm rethinking like what, it, what matters to me the most and what do I want to create? Um, for years, my, my compelling question is what would I love to do? 
Yes. I think I'm shifting into who would I love to be. Yes. Beautiful. And open to however that turns out. I mean, I, I think as well, you're, you're very clear, you know, this is something I think that I hope, you know, our listeners might just reflect on as well is you're, you, I think probably clear about what you don't want. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a powerful declaration to make in the world. I'm not do- going to be doing that. Any- I'm not going to be, Giving my time like I used to give my time. So, yeah. yeah, that's, that's more, probably more clear than what it is going to be like. Yeah, and I think that is really important for anybody to figure out what's next for themselves. You have to try stuff and you have to be willing to be truthful yeah. with yeah. yourself about what, what doesn't feel right and what doesn't work. And I've done my share of that. <laughs> <laughs> so one more quotation maybe? Do you have another quotation? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. I don't have another. I was, I was, I was figuring I would come up with one during our conversation, but I, (laughs) in that case, let's segue into what, what the world is waiting for, which is the, the question I ask of everybody who comes on the AdSense podcast, which is what matters to you dot, 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 because what matters to you might matter to everybody. Mm. Yeah, so what matters to me is uh, on a global level, collective level, that we, that we remember our connection to each other, yeah. that, we, that we do love each other as a verb, and we, we return to what we what we jointly care about, what matters to us collectively is there, there are definite things that matter to all of us. Right. And I think that's so easily forgotten in today's world. So as one person who, who is sort of a teacher and yeah, I, I spread (laughs) the words that come through me every day. I think, I think just my role in that is to remind people that we're connected and that we are more alike than we're different. I got that lesson so clearly when I was a family host for Middle Eastern young women through a program that I was involved in locally through the St. Mary's College here in South Bend. And what I got was they come from a completely different culture than ours. And my mother, being an, an elder in our household, uh, was a little bit intimidated by having Middle Easterners in our home based mm-hmm. on all the media hype about 9-11 and all that. So, so and I've always been open-minded, um, at least as open as I am at the age that I was. Um, and my mother said to me after their visit, they're like us, <laughs> yeah. which was such a profound statement to come from her lips So just to remember that I think is something that matters to me and to do whatever I can do to help people remember that. Um, Also what matters to me is, is, is the experience of being with people. Uh, I, I went through like everyone uh, I went through years of materialistic thinking. And now I think you could call me a minimalist. I don't, I don't want things. I want people and experiences. So so I'm creating that in my life as a as a mom and a Grammy and a daughter and a sister. 
Um, and then I also think curiosity is so important to me and, and yep. it's come up a few times during this conversation, David, but curiosity is everything. It's the, it's the, if, if we can genuinely create curiosity about what's available to us inside of us about what's available outside of us and through relationship together, I think we can save the, the collective world of all the heartache that we're currently experiencing. If we just let go of the need to be right or wrong, yeah. the need to be right, I guess, cause nobody wants to be wrong, but, <laughs> but what if we are half of us are probably <laughs> <laughs> at any given moment in time. So I think just, just um, what matters to me is to be curious and to invite others into becoming more curious. Yeah, fabulous. And that connects so easily to your, the, the first one there, which is this connection and finding, discovering that we're in fact we're all the same. Mm. There's all sorts of surface stuff, which is different. You know, the, the country we're from, the education we have, the skin color, the job titles, the political affiliation, but be willing to be curious to get beyond all that or get underneath all that to find where we're the same. It's the mother of the, of the same. We used to talk about the mother of the problem. The yeah. problem would, would surface and we would notice a, a symptom of the problem, but until you get to the actual mother of the problem. And, yes. and so in relation to this, I think it's the mother of the connection, like on a, on a genetic level, we are brothers and sisters. It's in our DNA. We are all related <laughs> quantum yeah. physics, right? So, so if we can go back and back and back and say, yes, we came from these places, we have different worldviews. There, there are people in my life, David, who I love and respect who have a completely different worldview and a completely different set of core values. I still love and respect them. Yes. And I'm not willing to to kick them out of my life because I love and respect them and I need to find my own sense of curiosity. And I, and I want to hear how they have arrived at their worldview. And that is, that is something that I think we can find a place where we can find common ground. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Tell me, tell me the story. Tell me your story. Not, you know, don't tell me what you think. Because that'll only trigger me wanting me to tell you about my what I think, and, and then we'll struggle about who's right and who's wrong with that. Exactly. But if we can say no, let's let's put that one to one side at the moment. Let's let's find out how we got here. Yeah. And then we have some empathy, and we have some some paths that are the same. Uh, you know, we have we have we all it's it's <laughs> we all have similar experiences told a different way through a different lens. Yes. And so if we, can, if we can land there and connect on that level, I think uh, we, we would be a lot friendlier to each other and there would be more love and less fear and less hate yeah. and less division. And I don't know if there's ever been a time, there hasn't been a time in my lifetime where that was more important than now. There's never been a better time to, to be that. So what matters to me is that whatever whatever role and agency I have in that, that I am fully expressing yeah. until the day I take my last breath. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, because, you know, the, the, the big problem, and this is happening in the UK, I know as well as but certainly here in the States is, you know, 
some people have realized that they can wield an awful lot of power by deliberately dividing. Mm. Yeah. Unifying, yeah. You know? And yeah. holy shit, you know, we gotta gotta get beyond that because that's gonna go on forever and, and downward. Well, and we've always been about power and control. The human species has been, I think, concerned about having power because it was survival. And yeah. and I don't know that that's true anymore, but we've we've definitely carried those old ideas into today. Yes. <laughs> and I yeah, I think the I think okay, speaking of power, one last thought. Mm-hmm. I I believe in the power of creativity. And so I think we're all creating all the time. Uh, and I think our creator made us to be creators. And so whether at the beginning you said, I'm your first artist on your show, mm-hmm. your podcast, I don't think that's true. I think everyone's an artist. So sure. uh, we start with a blank canvas and we, we color it in. We, 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 uh, we're making it up every single day, every single action, every single thing that we do. So if that's true and we can see the, the, uh, the negative aspects of, seeking power why not channel that power into our creativity and create something different with the same energy we use to create something that is not working we can rechannel and use that power for creating yeah. something different yeah yeah and i would just send that thought with that takes us right back to father richard raw and the center for contemplation and action because i strongly believe that you know creativity is an is an act it's an action you know to, to stain the white canvas requires us to do something and it's in doing things together that we will learn that we are the same and we'll build what we want to create together mm-hmm. yeah. no amount of explaining things to each other is going to get us to the same place as and i'm channeling peter block here <laughs> what do we want to create together yeah thank you sharice yeah that was gorgeous thank you david Have a good rest of your day. You too. Happy Thanksgiving. Ah, same to you. (laughs) The American holiday that you've adopted. (laughs) (laughs) From way back, even when we lived in England, uh, because my wife is American, we used to celebrate Thanksgiving. And it was a great gift to our uh, friends back in the day to have another reason to be drunk between (laughs) Halloween and Christmas. So thank you, America. Ah, you're quite welcome, David. (laughs) Take care. (laughs) 